0: Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back, you little entrepreneur, you. Entrepreneur? What kind of entrepreneur am Mm, I? See, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because there are many different types of entrepreneur. And although that, uh, probably lots of our listeners would not refer to themselves Mm. as an entrepreneur, not because they're not one, but just because what a dirty word it is and how it's been co-opted and how loads of losers use it in their bio to get you to buy their course. but I think there are there are many different types of entrepreneur. Obviously, the, the dictionary def- definition is someone who creates and runs a business. But there's various levels to entrepreneurship. And for me, like a true entrepreneur is someone who is selling companies at the end of the day. They're starting a company with the main goal of, I'm going to sell this further on down the road.
1: And I think one thing that's quite interesting is the fact that I feel like I've been through, like personally, quite a few of those different types of entrepreneur. And I think once you've experienced different ones and you kind of realize what it is actually you want, because I think most people going into starting a business, starting, turning their passion into a career, will have this like vague idea of what they should be doing based on things that they've seen online before. They'll watch certain YouTube content and be like, oh, well, that's an entrepreneur because that person keeps saying entrepreneur. So maybe (laughs) that's what I need to be like. And they don't really think about what it is they actually want to do. And... Because it's like some people will be, I remember having this conversation with someone who um, is at a networking event we were going to and they're like, oh, I'm looking to start my own business. I want to have like 20 staff. And I was like, why? And they're like, oh, well, because that's just what you do. Like they had this vision of this agency that they wanted, but they didn't really know what they wanted to do. They just wanted 20 staff. And I was like, well, do you actually want 20 staff? Because as soon as you've got 20 staff, you're going to be spending your time looking after those 20 staff. And if you want to start this creative endeavor or whatever it is you want to do, and you want to be doing that every day, then that's your your life's going to look very different. Being an entrepreneur running a business with twenty people in it, compared to what some people would call like a solopreneur or a freelancer who's just doing something for themselves, where they're actually working on the craft every day. But then, once you go down that route, there's also you're going to need extra people to help you because running a business running anything where you're selling something generally requires lots of different skill sets and you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you're spending more time doing your tax return more time sending invoices more time emailing clients than actually what it is you want to be doing actually like your creative practice like whatever it is the reason you started that business
0: yeah absolutely and we this is something we've experienced firsthand and as our as our company grew, it grew to the stage of at one point where it was too big, and the, the, I suppose the relentless churn of knowing that we had to accept every single job that came in because the company was hungry. It had all of these little mouths to feed, and it just was was just rolling over so much money. Um, and we've definitely had years where we've turned over um, a million pounds, and and not had well more than like two million. I think we turned over one year, um, and we didn't like. There was hardly any savings left in the bank afterwards because it's just there's so much that goes out on wages um so I suppose it depends on what you're what you're trying to build at some some points we spoke about it with Katie Cowan briefly last week. There are certain points where you just sort of get on that that treadmill and you just think okay well i let me let me bring more staff over here to do this thing and to do this thing and and it can sort of get out of control, but at the same time, as Daniel Priestley mentioned in his episode with us if you are, and I know many of our listeners are in this boat where they are just one person doing a thing, I think there does come a point where you do need to alleviate some of that stress off of yourself. And certainly our first member of staff was the biggest decision that we ever made. And it was the scariest decision because all of a sudden you're not just responsible for the three of us, you're responsible for someone else. There's someone else in the mix. And as an employer, you always feel that huge responsibilities to them that they don't end up homeless um so I think we started our first member of staff was actually started as an intern because we couldn't afford to bring her on as a member of staff but the theory was if we um because obviously like full expenses paid for the intern we made sure that that all of our travel and expenses and all of that stuff was paid um but we wanted to make sure that there was a job waiting for her at the end of it if she kind of served the the right purpose so that was something that we made sure that we that we did and I had a call with someone recently who was (laughs) she was saying you're always talking on the podcast about how I should do what I love but you're also saying how I should work really hard but I'm at the stage where I am doing what I love but I'm working so hard that I'm miserable and I was like well okay you need to stop like like that's that's a big big sign um and we after kind of analysing her business a little bit, it was like, okay, you need a member of staff that is going to cut down all of this time and responsibility that is falling on your shoulders. And because she's at a stage where she's working a successful enough business that it looks like she probably will be able to afford that person because by bringing that person in, it's going to free up a lot of her time, which is going to generate more revenue. That's going to bring her to the, the position where she's able to expand. So... A lot of it is, you you are going to have to work really hard, but there is gonna be, become a point where that's not gonna be sustainable. And that's the point where you need to you need help.
1: And that reminds me of someone we talked to on last month's Access as well, was someone who had basically grown their business to a stage where they were just working so much on it that they were like the fun was going because it was becoming so stressful because they just had so much work. And I think that's the kind of path that every single creative will take is you'll start off, there won't be much work and you'll be working really, really hard and then work will start coming in. And once you get to that stage, you've got so much work coming in that as one person, it's hard to turn anything down because you're like, oh, well, this might not last. And you work extra hard and you put in more hours and it just gets to a stage where you're, you're spending so much time doing it that you don't you're, you're losing the love for it because it just feels like this stressful job. And I think as soon as it gets to that stage, that's when you need to start thinking, how can I get someone to alleviate some of this stress from me? And there's kind of two ways you can do that, I suppose. So as an individual, if you don't want to grow, if you just want to remain as one person, that's the point your prices need to increase. Because then that's going to reduce the amount of work coming in, but allowing you to work the same amount of time, but for the more money. And obviously, if you've got so much work coming in that you can't say yes to all of it, then there's definitely room to improve your prices there. And then the second side of that is then looking to start getting someone to help you on those things. And yes, there might be a short fall in the amount of money you're earning initially, but because you know that the work is increasing, you just got to have the confidence that by taking on a member of staff, they're going to be be taking work off you, which is going to allow you to do more of the good work, which is going to bring more work in And I think it's that mentality of just doing the good work is the best marketing that you can possibly do and making sure you're finding the time to do the best work because that's gonna bring in more. And that's either gonna increase your rate or it's gonna bring in more work that's gonna allow you to employ more people.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning access there. Our next access event is on the 6th of April, Tuesday, the 6th of April. Go to co forward slash access if you would like to sign up and you will get sent a ticket on the day. Um, yeah, it's I, I suppose the the wider question, it just comes down to happiness, doesn't it? And I I <laughs> I said to this person that I was talking to she said her mum was saying well you know darling you could just pack it all in and go back to work at the company you are at before because you know they'll take you back and I said to her do you think you would be happier doing that and she said no absolutely not and that's the that's where you have to just be self-aware if as we've said many times on this show if there is a nine-to-five that fulfills you and makes you ultimately happy take that job do that job 100 percent, do that job but just for i know personally i couldn't do that i can't i can't have a boss anymore i haven't had a boss for 11 years it's it's i'm always going to be doing something on my own and i know that's a often a harder a harder job and i don't see my friends as much as i'd like to and i have sacrificed and and even to down to uh and i don't think we're going to have kids and that's a decision that is is very like founded in work a lot of that is in work because we're we're both very busy people we're running companies we're doing what we love and whilst there is that you know that a child is life-changing and you know you would have be filled with absolute love I don't think that's the the life that I want and and I I look at my friends and family that have babies and I see the the daily struggle and I I just rather be painting i'd rather be working um so it is it's all about yeah discovering your your happiness finding it like finding out what it is that's going to bring that to you and going after that and that can change like life is life is evolving and i might wake up tomorrow and decide i want kids and you might wake up tomorrow and decide that this freelance thing really isn't for you and let me go back to the safety of being able to blame it on someone else having a higher up who will take the rap It's all about self awareness. And I think someone who's like this, I like this episode coming up is one of our best episodes. Like I am really, really hyped on this episode because I think we spoke to a, like, this is a thoroughbred entrepreneur. This is someone who has sold multiple companies for billions of dollars. um, And at the end of the day That's like billions of a b <laughs> yeah and, and and the end of the day this is a, a very very deep conversation about finding your happiness finding what it is that you're you're you want to spend your time doing on this earth
1: yeah i think it's so important and this episode is an absolute must listen it's so good and i feel like a lot of people are going to take a lot away from this just in terms of as you mentioned there like baseline happiness i think being able to analyze and be self-aware and understand what your current baseline happiness is just like on a day-to-day what how happy are you and maybe like looking at over a certain period of time as well and then working out well how can I just increase that and I think if you can spend your life not focusing on those kind of like little high peaks but just increasing your baseline happiness then you're gonna leave you're gonna lead a much more happy fulfilled life because you will your overall average of happiness will be higher rather than just trying to shoot for these small little wins that might give you a little rush of kind of energy happiness whatever it is endorphins but won't actually be sustained so it's like how can we create sustainable happiness and i think so much of what we talk about in this episode is going to help people achieve that
0: yeah the uh, there's an overwhelming amount of time that you are going to spend in your life at work uh let's make that make that work something that fulfills you something that that increases your baseline happiness. It's like for for us to produce this podcast for you guys like is considerable work. And when I but when I look at it and go would I be happier not doing this podcast? The answer is no. I this podcast makes me happy for a number of reasons um it increases my my baseline happiness sometimes that is just seeing you guys share it on your stories uh it's you sending us an email saying Mm -hmm. that you've been going for two years and you're starting to see real success and and you're so glad that you started and the podcast helped you um get that confidence up to actually start doing this Um, all of those things make my life better so i'm willing to put in the work to to have to have a happy life, to to that's it's one of my core things that that I know is bringing me for like I guess not ha- it's not happiness it's fulfillment. It's I I hundred yeah, I'm I'm waking up with this is my purpose and I've I, I I'm not totally sure how to articulate this, but I almost see you know like sales funnels like the the sort of like really cynical way of like getting someone into buying your product. I almost see my neon paintings as a sales funnel into the podcast it's like the the like they'll be following me for a while because they like the artwork but eventually they're going to trip over into the podcast and i know some of you guys listening didn't find the podcast first you found my paintings and then thought let me see what this guy's talking about and now you're listening to the show and i i really love that and it's sort of that then sort of like fuels the painting of like okay if i put this up then that's going to bring more people into this ecosystem it's just it's it's wild um so I think we, you and I are certainly like we're deep in that journey of, of working out what it is that that fulfills us. And I just I I want people that that I want our listeners to just sort of start to come along on that journey with us and start to work out those things that are really truly fulfilling them.
1: Boom. So let's get into this week's episode with Justin Kahn.
0: Yeah, absolute honor to talk to to Justin. Um he was the founder of Justin.tv which started off as uh, him wandering around with a camera on his head. It was like the very, very first sort of iteration of live streaming. And then Justin went on to found Twitch, uh, the the live streaming gaming platform. Well, predominantly gaming, but there's lots of other stuff there. He ended up selling Twitch to Amazon for nearly a billion dollars. Uh, he's just, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, thoroughbred entrepreneur, very, very successful. And this is, I think, one of the best conversations that we've ever had on this show. Hi, Justin. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. How you doing? I'm good. It's morning here. It's nice I get my coffee. It's a beautiful, beautiful day.
0: It's, it's interesting where our lives take us, um, like, given which paths we choose to go down. And it seems to me that in terms of timing, everything was perfect for your career to turn out the way it has. Because I feel like if you were working on this a few years later, you probably would have, like, looked at podcasting or or there there would have been a live streaming app that you would have gone down rather than creating it yourself?
2: Yeah, well, we always had an ambition to kind of create a platform or like multiple, like even when it was just Justin TV, we're doing our own show, we were like, oh, there could be multiple shows. You know, so we, we kind of saw it as more of a reality TV network versus like, oh, we're just going to do our one show and make it really big. We always had the mindset of, more of like a platform entrepreneur. We were like, because we were programmers ourselves, you know, so that was that was kind of our angle that we took on it. And, um, you know, so I, but you're right that there was a lot of, I mean, in anything, there's a lot of good timing, you know, good luck. Um, and we were we were very fortunate in a way to be able to come up on the internet when, kind of right when this like technology was about to be enabled. Like, there were a lot of technology advances that happened right before us that enabled it. Like the, 3G internet started to become everywhere and then um another one was the live streaming software on the internet became good enough that we the we basically built this glue layer, but the like client was able to receive the the uh the the, the data like pretty I mean I could give you the technical explanation, but basically, you know, flash flash <laughs> as a streaming. How
0: a f- does stre- how does Justin TV evolve over the years to essentially later become Twitch? And that's probably quite a big question.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the short answer and then we can dig in anywhere, right? So we we launched this as a platform in 2007 after I do my stream for six months. Uh, we raised about $6 million in the next couple of years over, of funding and it grows and it's growing. It's growing well, right? We're kind of like YouTube for live video. YouTube doesn't have live video at the time. Neither does Facebook or anyone else. So we're, we, we build this platform. It's growing, it's growing. And then... Uh, It stops growing you know and so we were a pretty big website at the time we're like a top 250 website in the world um, or maybe in the US like some we're were pretty big and then uh, Hmm. we were making money I mean not that much but we had like a 25 person company so it was like okay right and uh, it's all video advertising and and then it stops growing like people stop finding new things to stream and so I talked to my uh, we're talk, We're meeting with our co-founders, and this is like in 2010, so 11 years ago now. And they're like, "Well, we should. Do it. We were pretty smart guys, right? Like, and we're not, we're not dummies. We're like, if something's not growing on the internet, and the internet is growing, that means like we're shrinking relatively, right? And that's bad. Yeah. Like that's things like change on the internet a lot, and businesses that are okay one day are like nothing the next day. So we need to like get on top of this and figure out something that's going to grow." And so we started incubating two ideas. We basically couldn't agree we, on a direction. My co-founder, Emmett, wanted to do uh, gaming, and my other co-founder, Michael, really liked um, the idea of doing something that was more like a mobile video. And so we couldn't agree, so we basically incubated these two companies internally. And the one Emmett worked on was like basically talking to the gaming streamers, and we set some goals a priori. So we were saying we wanted to grow 15% a month for the first month and 10% a month for the second, sorry, 15% a month for the first year and 10% a month for the second year. And then it's going to be a site that's as big as the biggest gaming video site out there, which was gametrailers.com at the time. So that was like our benchmark. And we actually blew that out of the water for the first six months. It like grew and grew and grew. And we're like, oh, this is a real thing. And then we launched it as an independent site called Twitch. And it kind of continued from there for the next uh a couple of years and there were some inflection point moments twitch plays pokemon being a big one and and then eventually we sold it to amazon for
1: 970 million dollars so when you've got two companies that must be really hard to decide like how much time to split between the two because i feel like loads of people when they're starting anything was like oh well i could do that and i could do this and I, but I also really like doing this thing how do you actually decide which one to kind of focus on and if you do have kind of like, I'm sure you must come up with ideas over time. How do you focus on like just a certain
2: project? Yeah, so that is actually a huge problem for us. And that was like the fundamental problem. So we, were, we had this company that was like running Justin TV and it was, you know, we're a 25% company, so you can't do that many things. But the company was like making the money that was sustaining this you know business, right? And paying for all the servers and stuff. And then we had these two pivot ideas And we literally couldn't agree. And the four of us, I mean, my friend Michael was the CEO, but we basically all made all the decisions together and it was very dysfunctional in that way. So we couldn't agree. And we were like, let's do, you know, what are we going to, okay, let's like, like, so we had this, came up with a scheme where we would like test both ideas for six months and then either be one idea or the other idea or none, right? And if it's, or or both, if it's both, we were like, okay, that's a champagne problem. If it's one, you know, like, <laughs> then we'll do that one. And if it's neither, then we're no more fucked than we are right now. So we decided to do that because we couldn't agree. And the problem, though, was that there was this vibe in the company in those early days where it's like kind of like, oh, if this project doesn't work, I'll just go work on that other project. So it wasn't very do or die. Yeah. And so eventually what happened was Twitch was working. The other thing, Social Cam, which was kind of like a almost like TikTok of video, right? But like much less like than TikTok yeah. was like not working very well and we but we but people in the company still loved loved it and so we decided okay let's spin this out as a new company which is like a total nightmare we ended up spinning that company out as a new company somehow through an act of god actually my 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 co-founder michael went with it and then somehow through this act of god he he got it sold to autodesk for 60 million bucks which was a lot for us at the time and and then you know we were like oh okay We, we all made some money. And then what we, we really focused on Twitch, you know?
0: What advice would you give to to people? Cause we get it with our audience a lot that have lots of ideas. How do you choose the ones that you commit the time to?
2: Well, that's a good question. You know, for us, this is a very circuitous route. And, but I think that the thing that you really should do is think about what do I want to do with my life? Like what, I'll, you could do anything, right? Like I could have gone into fine. I probably could have made, well, I don't know if I would have been that good of an investor, but like, the theoretical money that I could have made, I have friends who are like richer than I am who are like, they went into finance, right? And I mean, you could, there's like probably a commentary about like how we allocate resources in society there. Should the guy who like made the people watch people play video games be richer or the guy who like created a hedge fund? I don't know. Maybe those are both worthless pursuits, right? But the <laughs> the, the point being like, there's a lot of things I could have done to like be richer. But the point, like you can't just live your life to like maximize how much, you know, value you're accreting to yourself. I think it's, it's a little bit more important that you, you know, a lot more important, actually, that you spend the time doing what you really love doing with people that you love. And so I would ask myself, what is the thing that I actually want to work on? What do I want to do? And then what's the idea that's the best vehicle for doing that? You know, because, I'll give you, I mean, another example is I started this company a couple of years ago called Atrium that was in the legal tech space. And it was a very mercenary decision. I was like, oh, I wanna create a big company now, a bigger company than Twitch. And I wanna raise a lot of money and like had a lot of ego wrapped up into it. And it wasn't a a work out of joy, right? It wasn't like, oh, I love legal tech. Like I hate legal tech actually, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So um, I just saw it as a big opportunity and I wasn't, you know, like it wasn't something where like, I mean, there's some parts of it I liked, but there was like a lot. You know, I liked the team that we built. You know, I like the passions of the team. I liked, um, you know, that that was probably the main thing. But like coming to work every day wasn't my joy. And now, you know, finding something that I love doing, like making content and making my podcast and being an investor. It's like, oh, I actually like should waking up in the morning and, and working every day. It's like I, these are the things I would do for free. You know, what would you do what would you do in your life if you if for free, if you even if someone wasn't paying for you, like paying you to do it, then that's what I would be doing.
0: That must have been a really big moment for you, that sort of realization of all of a sudden I've put myself in this situation where I'm I'm going for I'm going for bigger and then that just finally realizing that bigger isn't always better.
2: I, I guess I've been in that place multiple many times in my career where I'm like working on something, I'm like, wait. Do I really want to be working on this? You know, it was a very common occurrence. In this case, it was just like higher stakes. You know, We raised seventy-five million dollars, but you know, that, you know, there definitely was that realization and that the the thing that was a bigger realization for me, to be honest, was not that I was in this position, which I'd been in many times before, but that I was I had a pattern of that being putting myself in that position and why. And I realized, oh, why do I do the, why am I working on this thing or, that I don't love? Or like, why do I, why have I, why, why have I done these b- things that I, you know, worked on these things that I, you know, just to make money or to be famous or be a successful entrepreneur and then realizing, oh, I'm just playing out a pattern from when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I I wanted the approval of people around me and I didn't get enough of it. And so now I think I have this you know, thought process in the back of my mind, a subconscious process where it's like, Oh, if you just like a little bit more famous or you're a little bit more successful or you have more followers on Twitter, then you'll finally be okay. Justin, you know, you'll be, you'll be sorted. And you know, that's, that's that's not true, obviously. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Like how, how good I feel inside has, you know, I might get 200,000 Twitter followers or whatever, but like, is that going to make me feel better about myself? Uh, No, it's like, I'm just trying to fill this hole in my heart from when I was a kid and it doesn't you can't fill it that way and so That was the big realization for me and the thing that really Made me change my life a lot.
1: At what point did you start to develop that self-awareness and kind of realize that Almost like take a step back from yourself and observe what was happening observe the patterns that you were going through Like was there like something specific that kind of kind of started that?
2: Yeah, so so there was, you know, the specific thing was I drank ayahuasca for the first time and sat in an ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, I don't know if you talked about ayahuasca or like, you know, talk to your your community about it.
1: Yeah, we've had someone on the podcast before who's been through a similar experience by the yeah. of it. But yeah, continue. so I
2: mean, it's a, you know, psychedelic uh, plant medicine that's, uh, you know, originally from the jungles in Peru and Colombia and South America. And, you know, you see these wild visions in addition to like, uh, having, you know, often purging and and feeling kind of sick and going through these like flu like symptoms, which are, you know, you you actually don't mind when you're doing it. So it's, it's kind of a weird situation. You feel like it's like good for you. Uh, but going through this experience, I was forced to confront all these things about myself that were subconscious. Like I realized, Oh, this like, I had this experience where I, I had this vision. My dad shows up. I'm screaming at my dad. Like, why aren't you proud of me? You know, I was like, oh, I didn't realize I had this hang up where I, like, need the approval of, not just my dad, but it was, like, representative of, like, all these other people, too. Yeah. And, and then realizing, like, oh, my actions. Like, this is how I live my life. Like, I don't think about it, but this is, like, this is who I am. And having that realization. And then, you know, a very important thing to say is the first part of it was, for me, was the first step was to say, oh, I can I can appreciate that myself about myself. You know, because the realization that, you, that one lives, you know, is living their life because, you know, to try to get the approval of other people and, and, and I do all these things to like, just be more popular on Twitter or keep picking on Twitter. But you know, that's an example of all social media. It's like the, the idea that I would just like think about, like, how do I, you know, how do I obsessively check? Like, are people following me on Twitter or more people following me? That's like not a very attractive realization, right? In a way about oneself but uh, and it's something that might you might wa- not want to admit to other people but i when i realized that i was like oh you know first it was like oh that's that's not great but then the second thing was like oh, okay like that's a defense mechanism or a learned behavior to help me right like it's because i didn't feel like i was accepted enough and if i just you know if i did these things then that was a pattern that was like a an attempt to like solve the problem so like can i love myself can i love that part of myself that's like needs people's approval and accepted, and then the answer was yes. Okay, I can I can do that. And then the second part was like, okay, well, how do I want to show up in the world now? Like, is that the type of people person I want to be tomorrow? Right. And so, um, it it was really empowering in that I got a lot of agency out of that realization and the subsequent integration.
0: That's that's so powerful. Obviously, for us as as visual artists, there I can I can really relate to what you're saying because so much of what is built into how we're accepted in the world is is part of that it's it's every day we we put out this work and 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 then we live or die on people's like opinions of it yeah it's it's interesting Um,
2: artists i I relate to artists a lot because as an artist you a lot of artists i know their drive comes from like oh i want to prove something to the world right like and that's why you like spend the ten thousand hours like Making art, or it's a creative outlet for the pain or experiences. You know, maybe painful, maybe some painful, maybe some not that you've had in your in your life. And so, a lot of people's art, you know, whether it's visual or or musical or whatever it is, comes from that experience. You know, some of those experiences in your formative years, right? It's like the whole tortured artist paradigm or whatever. It's like, yeah, and then then a lot of that is, you know, some of that is true. And so, it's like the same thing that gives you the gift can also be the means of your own torture, your own self-torture. And for me, it was like, yeah, I worked hard. You know, I did work hard and I I fucking did it. Like we we put in, it wasn't just luck. I didn't just like fall into like, oh, it's fucking Twitch, right? There was a lot of luck involved, but we worked our asses off for a long time and we grinded and I, you know, it was like painful and we worked 18 hour days and I would wake up and rack servers in the, you know, in the morning and sleep in the server farm and shit like that, right? But like, the the, um, you know, that's, that's like it, 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 the, the, the need to like the drive that came from like kind of those tortured experiences when I was a kid really gave me the gift of being able to be successful. And then once I was successful, though, it continued. There was a continuous like it didn't go away. It was like, oh, now, like be more successful, be more successful. And it was only realizing mm-hmm. that about myself that let me say, oh, OK, like what do I want to choose for myself?
1: So I heard you kind of talk about yourself putting yourself in like cockroach mode kind of quote unquote like how important do you think it is to be able to kind of actually just put your head down grind go to as basic as possible and then how do you see success kind of go off the back of that do you feel like you need to be able to have that in you to be able to just put your head down and just grind at something and put yourself through a bit of kind of suffering I suppose to get those rewards later. Well, I
2: think it's very important to have periods of focus where you can like really hone your craft, right? This is also probably very parallel to being an artist. You know, when I watched the Avicii yeah. documentary, it was like one of my favorite artists, you know, favorite musical artists. And obviously somebody who was also very tortured, right? In, in his experience um, mm. in that he committed suicide in, right, in 2016 or 17. And um, he, there's this, he went through this period where he like, in his early days, he made like a thousand songs. And he would just make songs and songs after songs after songs. And there's a advantage in like having nothing else to do except just grind your craft for us. You know, we, we programmed websites and built websites and like just worked on our startup and had nothing. I mean, we weren't doing anything fun. We had no money. Like we just worked on our shit like 24 (laughs) seven and that was, um, not healthy necessarily, but it was a, a critical part in becoming excellent at something. Right. And I think that whatever craft it is whether you're a tennis player a visual artist a musician or a entrepreneur or a programmer you know you want to have those periods of time where you're just like you know you're working and you're, you're 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 getting better at what you're doing
1: you're listening to creative rebels the podcast for creatives
0: if you're enjoying this episode please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast in any way that you can
1: yeah, I think that is so important because I think especially like in the creative world and people doing that, it's like, and, and I think this kind of ties into the kind of social media and that kind of ego, kind of wanting kind of people to be like you're great, but it's that people don't put all of those hours into it. They just kind of think, oh well, I just want this quick kind of like little hit of likes and stuff on social media, rather than thinking actually. I'm going to make those thousand songs and accept that those thousand songs might be crappy and no one likes them or listens to them but I'm going to learn so much by doing that then in the future when I make something I'm going to have all the experience there and I'll have developed my own style and kind of become it'll become my thing rather than just oh well if I became a music artist tomorrow if I made a song I might be like cool I'm going to put this on the internet hopefully people are going to tell me that it's really great and only then am I going to go and make a second yeah
2: there's a lot in there i mean there's you know perfection being the enemy of done like you just have the quantity is like very important to get to develop practice like a, a excellence right you just need to do more and more and more and more and it doesn't matter if it's good or not you just have to have the, the reps um there's definitely also something about like you know like if you're if you like it's it's ironic because like the need to be accepted and approved of and liked is a very powerful motivator but if it's too much, then it can prevent you from like actually, you know, getting those reps in and, and releasing that work. And so there's there's probably a healthy balance in there. You know, Ideally, you find mm-hmm. something that you know, it's kind of like what would you do if like no one was watching and no one paid you for it? like if that if you can find that, going back to what I was kind of talking about earlier, then that is really the most powerful thing because you can do it and hone your craft and and become excellent at it without uh you know the worry of like what the outside world thinks and i think the people who are the best at whatever it is art or p- programming or anything like they've they kind of follow that path
0: yeah i always say to to creators i think it's it's specifically with creators is like they've probably grown up with affirmations from people around them that say you're really good at this one thing But then as soon as it goes onto the internet, you're in a sea of other people who are also very good at that thing and probably amazing at that thing. And then all of a sudden you start comparing. It's like um, I was talking to a young tattoo artist and, and her feed, as she scrolls through her feed, she's looking at the elite tattoo artists on the planet and she's at the beginning of her journey. But- I was sort of saying to her like you're good enough you've got clients people trust you enough to put your artwork on their body for the rest of their lives you're not where you want to be yet because you're looking at the best in the world who've been doing this for like 20-30 years so I I suppose there's I suppose that's what the internet creates. And I think it's really hard, especially when you've when you're you've built your identity around, I am a, I'm a creative person or I'm arty or whatever it is, the, the thing that you identify as a person to all of a sudden be then dropped into this ocean of all of these other people who are identified the same way, but are much better.
2: Right, that's exactly right. The internet is, is a gift and a curse, right? It's a gift in that it can allow us to connect around anything, right? Tattoo artists, entrepreneurs, you know, draw uh, designers whatever it is but it's also a curse in that you it's you are now in the world's biggest fishbowl right like comparing yourself to the best people in the world like you know the 0.001 yeah. percent of tattoo artists you know there's probably hundreds of thousands of tattoo artists in the world if not millions right like then, then you're, yeah. you're comparing yourself to like the top 10 on instagram and uh that's you know, comparison is the thief of joy Right, it's, it's so easy to, to kind of take away the, your joy and passion by like looking at them and saying, oh, I'm not good enough. And I think it's really when we find, and this was hard for me. like I was you know I identified as like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And so I would see my you know other entrepreneurs I, I didn't know or I did know raising m- more money at higher valuations or they had a better product than me or whatever it was, and be like, oh, I, I suck compared to these guys. And then that creates this feeling of an imposter syndrome or being not good enough. And it was really only, I mean, that precision most of my career, right? For over a decade, right? Like years and years and years. And I finally, you know, when I stopped identifying, when I was able to stop saying, oh, I am an entrepreneur, I am an investor, I'm whatever labels. And stopped labeling myself and just was like, oh, I'm just the awareness. I'm like, I am just the consciousness having this experience and I'm just having my own experience and there's no comparison to like any other experience. I don't know what those other experiences are like. I'm just going through this experience and I'm going to see what happens. And that's when I was able to release a lot of that comparison and ego-driven motivation and you know that was one of the I think fundamental things that made me a lot happier in my own life. You know because even people it never ends. The comparison never ends. It's like people look at me and they're like, "Man, if I could just be Justin, you know, he has a billion dollar company." it's like famous on Twitter and TikTok or whatever. They'd be like, I'd finally be set. But then, you know, I became successful and I was like, oh man, my friend started Dropbox. My friend Drew started Dropbox, like fuck. Like, or my friend Brian started Airbnb. <laughs> like there's, I, I could have done so much better. And then, you know, everybody's always looking at somebody who, who's, who's, who's done better than them. You have probably got like all the way up to Zuck, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg, like starting Facebook. And then he's probably looking at Steve Jobs and being like, fuck. You know, like if I was just Steve Jobs, (laughs) you know, and then Steve Jobs is fucking dead. So like there's, you know, it's, 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 (laughs) it's, uh, it's people crane it. You can crane your neck up no matter where you're at, whoever you are, you know, all the way up to the top.
1: Yeah. I love that kind of like theory of it's just you, you're unique and you can't compare yourself to anyone because you're the only person who is you. I think that's a really powerful thing to think about because it's like, no matter what you're doing it's like yes you might do this creative craft but then also there's so much that's different about you in the way that you've grown up the way the other things that you do outside of that creative endeavor or whatever you do and it's like realizing that actually there's no point in comparing myself to those people because they are different to me and they'll they'll go a different route and it's like and also you don't want to just become the same as that other person because then you're not living for yourself you're trying to just replicate something that someone else has done.
2: Yeah, like I had this conversation on my podcast, <clears> the <throat> quest um, with my my friend, Steve Huffman, who's the founder of Reddit. Another person where you're probably looking at the guy and you're like, fuck, that guy's stupid successful, right? Reddit's like one of the top <laughs> 10 websites in the world. So, yeah. but he's like, we were talking about, you know, like the origin stories of Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whatever, and he's like, you know, at a certain point I just realized like, I'm not gonna be those guys, like I'm, like you, you just read their origin story, and they're like, they did a lot of things different in the beginning, and I'm like, can't be the Jeff yeah. Bezos, but I could be the best Steve Huffman that I can that I want to you know, I can be, you know, and like it's you you don't have you know you have a different set of circumstances. Like you might have like it might look like two people who started off as entrepreneurs at the same time could have had the same journey or started similar companies, but they came from different backgrounds. They had different lucky breaks. They had different you know. Um, sets of circumstances that set them on whatever trajectory they're on. And so you really can't compare yourself to anyone. And I even go as far as saying you shouldn't even compare yourself to yourself. Right. Because like today, the Justin of today might've made different choices at Twitch and maybe grown it as independently into a bigger company. But that isn't that wasn't an option back then because I didn't have the knowledge I had today I didn't go through the life experiences i have today i you know I didn't have the opportunities and the skill sets that I have today, so to compare myself to my past or future self doesn't doesn't make any sense you know the the converse is true too it's like you know I got in an accident about a year and a half ago, and I broke both my arms and before that I was pretty fit like I was you know working on my hands yoga handstand and crow pose and like doing all sorts of you know, I was bench pressing 200 pounds or whatever, and today it's like my elbows, fucked. Like I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's functional, but it's like I can't lift anymore or anything. So like, you know, that's that part is done for me. And so it's, it's interesting. It's because it's a very stark contrast of like, I'm not the same person that I was, and I can't compare like, oh, this is my PR now versus then. It's like completely different, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think that was a a hard but very valuable realization for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's just having that like kind of mindset of if i can't change it then don't let it affect me
2: the things affecting you you know i used to think if i'm just like calm enough and i have enough equanimity in my life and i meditate enough then like things won't affect me right like i won't be angry i won't be ang- anxious i won't think this is like fucked up or whatever i won't like be pissed off when something bad happens but the thing i've come to realize that one of my things my teachers helped help me with my meditation teacher janish Wallen has helped me with is that you know, having all those things, you know, being affected is part of the human experience. Like if you have a bad day, something bad happens, you get cut off in traffic, right? You're going to have stress, you know, hormones, your amygdala is going to fire and you're going to be like, fuck, right? Like that's natural, you know, and that's actually a defense mechanism that's an evolutionary defense mechanism to help you survive. So like the feeling that the idea that like I won't have, I will be like some sort of superhuman, like data from Star Trek, right? The robot, like, because <laughs> but if, I, if I just am calm enough or I like advance myself enough or i enlightened enough, I think that's an illusion. I think that you're a human being, you have human emotions and that's part of the, the beautiful part of the human experience. And so it's more about acceptance of what comes every, every moment. It's like, oh, I accept yeah. that I'm triggered right now. You know, just like I accepted that I was like, I needed yeah. other people to like me and so I was highly motivated to like become a famous entrepreneur. I accept that about myself and I accept my present moment experience as well and that to me, has been my, my practice.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's a self-awareness of just understanding how you work as a person and then just accepting that
0: that's the way that yeah. you are. And there's nothing we can do to change that. Does that help you kind of not have regrets?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like the, My when... I used to have lots of regrets, right? I used to be have lots of regrets and lots of anxiety. I'd be like, I should have started Airbnb instead of Justin TV. I should have like you know, invested in Bitcoin. I should have fucking, like I should, 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 all the way down, right? And then, I mean, I did invest in Bitcoin, but I should have invested more, right? Or Whatever it is, you know? So yeah. so that was part of it. And then there was this component that was like, um, uh, you know, like I would be like, oh, in the future, I want X and then I'll finally be happy. I want my company to be worth a billion dollars. I want my company to be this, this. I want these investors, whatever it is, you know? And that was like, really a driver of my experience and when I was able to release like oh you know like all the comparison stuff I'm like oh like everything's as it should be like I had to go through those experiences to be the person I am now and like things you know sometimes they work out sometimes they don't and and that's just part of the experience of of being a human being like everyone's gonna, you go through this whole life arc and you start off and you're learning and then you go through pain and suffering and you maybe you hit some stride and then you like eventually start declining and you die. That's the, that's, the, that's the experience of it. That's the beauty of it. Uh, the last thing I'll say is like, it's like a movie. You know, if you just had all the good scenes of a movie, it's like, it wouldn't make any sense. Like, you know, your life is like a movie. It's like, you have to tell this whole story without the, without the drama or like the, the struggle, then it's not a good, it's not a good story.
1: Yeah, that's literally exactly what I was going to say. It is just the perfect story arc, isn't it? It's like you have to go through hardship to get the rewards at the end. Otherwise, you don't appreciate the reward because you've never seen what it's like if it's not great. Exactly.
2: And the other way I think about it is like if we were all aliens, you know, or like, I don't know, energy consciousness thinking like, okay, we're going to play, the, we're going to go through this human experience, right? We're going to play the human video game. Like in Rick and Morty, yeah. there's this like idea, you know, they this is human simulator or whatever and this guy plays this whole life, like a, a human life and then wakes up and he's in an arcade, right? And an alien. And it's like, if if the, if life was like that, would you choose the like pure joy simulator where you just like have this like idyllic human life or would you choose the one that was like all the ups and downs of life and all the full range of emotions? And I think, you know, kind of a priori, you'd be like oh i want the one that's the full experience even though it's going to be tougher at times
0: i don't know i think i'll take the
1: joy one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no because it's like so many of like our stories like when we talk to people about the journey that we've gone through over the past 10 years it's like every single time we always mention the hard times because i feel like that's what makes it a good story that's what and that's what also makes it relatable to people like watching
0: but we look back on those like so fondly though they're like our favorite yeah, stories it's like,
1: yeah at the time you were like this is fucking awful and i'm really cold and i'm hungry
0: and then you look back and you're like those are such good times <laughs>
2: Exactly, I love that. I love that. I feel the same way about
0: one one thing I heard you say was um, whatever I achieve is not going to change my baseline happiness. I thought that was such a good observation because although we get the the joy of selling a company or selling a painting or whatever it might might be, that lasts for a few <laughs> seconds and then and then we're back to and our baseline happiness, so I suppose it's it's working on the baseline rather than, than working on those those short little blips that just are here today and gone tomorrow.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. It's about, like, if you want to be happy, if you want to be a happy person, then work on that baseline. Because those blips, no matter how good you are, you can't fill up your entire life with those like short bursts. You could be selling that fucking art every one second on your website. And then after 10 seconds, you'll be like, that's my new normal.
1: It works perfectly so perfectly to describe happiness. But I also think just in terms of like life in general, having instead of trying to work on the peaks, just working on the baseline the whole time. If you think about experience as an example, it's like by putting in those hours of working the baseline up, that's gonna be so much more beneficial long-term yep. than just looking for those short peaks.
2: For sure. And the things for me that I've, I've contributed baseline, it's meditation, you know, having meditation practice every day. It's gratitude, writing my gratitude journal every day. It's uh, exercise and, and diet, like just being healthy, you know, working on my health every day. And it's connection with people. You know, it's, it's surrounding myself with people. I love trying to deepen my connection, being genuinely curious about other people around me. You know, I, I used to think of oh, I, I need to be if I'm successful, then I'll attract people to me. Right. And I'll, I always wanted to connect. So it's like if I'm successful, I'll attract people to me. And then I became successful, and yeah, people were attracted to me, but they wanted, it. they were like, oh, can I, you know, can you invest in my company? For their own reason. I mean, actually, yeah. one thing I do distinguish is, like, I actually don't fault them for that, right? Like, I don't say, oh, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I got rich, and then all these people came around, and they were trying to, they wanted something. But that that's just human nature, and I don't, you know, sometimes those types of connections can actually turn into, like, real deeper connections, actually. But, but they're not that conducive to it, right? And so, and I realized, like, oh, actually, you know it's kind of like the fucking magic ice skate story or something like that it's like the, the the power was in me all along to connect with people all i had to do was actually be curious about them and talk to them and like really just try to learn about them instead of being like oh i'm gonna make myself so successful that people are gonna to want to be around me you know maybe i should be the one to ask people like about them you know and it's like I, it sounds so stupid in yeah. retrospect like so obvious but that was like a powerful learning for me you know
0: I guess then starting your podcast has is, is been a, yeah, so a big step into
2: that. Exactly. It's like I started this podcast not because I want to have a f- successful podcast. I actually don't give a shit. I mean, I would like people to listen to it. I hope it's helpful for them. But it's one of those things where it's like I said, you know, you should do things where you could do it if you weren't paid and no one was watching. Right. Like if, if nobody ever listened to the podcast, I had a two hour, you know, one hour, two hour conversation with a friend of mine or someone who's a new friend really going deep into who they are. And when, when else would you have that conversation or that opportunity? Yeah. Like I learned things about my friends, even my co-founders that I didn't know, you know, that they felt that way or whatever. And we've known each other for 20 years, you know? So it's just because you don't have those conversations when you're, where you're like, just like, Oh, tell me about your life. Like, I want to learn about you. And, um, that was, you know, that's. That's, that's like a invaluable thing to me. Like that, the, that connection, it's like connecting with other people around me. That's why I was doing all of this shit all along. I finally figured, I just shortcut yeah. it. I was like, I could just do that step from the beginning, you know, but like, it's like we said, it's like, I have to go through the whole human journey just to get back here, you know, to the start, starting point.
1: And I think as well, like the skills that you develop through podcasting of the ability to actually be curious about someone and really kind of like go deep in that. I think is a really powerful thing. And I think if anyone's listening and like I feel like everyone should just start a podcast, even if that's just to interview their family and friends, because it's like the kind of conversations you'll have once you can get a bit deeper past those kind of initial levels. It's like I was having a conversation with my dad the other day, and I was kind of like, I'm just gonna turn this into a bit of a podcast episode in my mind. And then we it became this really deep, interesting conversation where I kind of like found things about him that he'd never really talked about before. And I think just getting like going a little bit deeper with people just kind of connects so much deeper in like the in the relationship. So yeah, I think like it's something that everyone should do, and it's a skill that everyone should develop because I feel like it's so powerful.
0: I agree, hundred percent. So yeah, it's it's super interesting that and and I kind of mentioned it really early on in the episode that that every every step on our journey gets us to where we're gonna go, and it's like you you're, you wouldn't have started a podcast had you not had you not founded and sold Twitch i don't think it's it's yeah. everything leads to uh, to everything else and you have to go on that journey i think that's why on this podcast like one of our core messages is just start because until you take that first step like that first step then leads on to the next thing, and the next thing, and that could be you selling your company for a billion dollars, which could then end up being you starting a podcast. Which, which really, everything is just the quest for happiness, and I think that's we've we've spoken about it a lot on this episode. Is, is, when you were picturing that that kind of. Um, uh food chain of steve jobs is like the god at top at the top is like destroying <laughs> everyone else but it's like really the winner on that on that food chain into ter- like they've all got the monetary success and whatever but it's like the winners are the old lady who's working in tesco's bagging your shopping and she's just but she's the one that's got the highest baseline happiness yeah it's like that's that's the winner it's like it it's the quest for happiness is, is really like the the game
2: yeah, it's the people who you know you get off the hedonic treadmill. It's not to say you don't have goals anymore. You can still have goals for how you want the world to be. You could still say I want to be an entrepreneur and have my company be successful, and that's perfectly legitimate. But it's that you are not tortured by your goals. You're saying, okay, whatever happens in the in the mm-hmm. world, I accept that. I have equanimity. Like whatever today brings, I accept it. And it's my my teacher, my meditation teacher, talks about. Uh, I guess in there's a kind of Zen. Chart in in, in Zen Buddhism of of like how the stages, phases of like how people go through, you know, their their practice and become more and more enlightened. And it's a circle. At the end of the day, you you just show up, and the last the last picture is like just some random guy. He's like a shopkeeper, and he's just there. He's like living a normal life. He's just completely at equanimity with what is happening. And that is to me, it's, it's like you said that it's the Tesco bagger. It's like the person who's just at peace and they accept what is happening and you're kind of just living your normal life. And that is like the highest form of enlightenment, you know? And so it's not about how much you get, how much you have, how much you accumulate, or it's it, like, that's the wrong axis. We're all competing on this axis of accumulation. Whereas, well, we shouldn't be competing at all. But like, if we're, you know, measuring ourselves, then maybe it's again it should be against the axis of equanimity and acceptance
0: boom, boom. Um, so with the content creation now, what is your what's the dent that you want to make on the world going forward for like that's uh, going forward in this new chapter
2: yeah so I mean some of my proudest moments in my career are when I've said or done something that has deeply affected other people in a positive direction right that's it's actually something I think about much more than. Oh, I made this X or Y company, you know? And so, uh, like the other day or not the other day, like before coronavirus, I went to this startup conference and this founder came up to me and he was like, I started seeing a therapist because you talk about therapy on Twitter and gave me a hug. And I was like, you know, my mind's fucking blown. I was like, that's crazy and amazing, you know? And Mm. so I get that relatively often now is just like people saying oh you know I read your article on how to feel good and like improve your baseline happiness or I started meditating or can you introduce me to your meditation teacher or whatever it is you know and like all of those things have you know I, f- I feel like it's the joy of having a positive impact on the people around you maybe virtually around me you know because it's the internet but that's the thing that, that really <laughs> um that I love and so that's kind of my motivation around the content creation is just hey can I have a good impact on people around me and You know, if so, then I feel like I've done a good job at life and that's, that's, uh, that's, it is what it is. And I, you know, I would like to, you know, there's still the dopamine hit every day, every once in a while of like, oh, I got 5,000 more TikTok followers or whatever it is. So, you know, I'm not immune to that by any means. And I don't want to pretend I'm like sitting on some ivory tower as like Buddha over here being like, I'm just like ultimately wise, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: But I feel like the dopamine hit of getting that messages or getting like someone come up to you and give you a hug is so much more rewarding than just like that kind of like extra five thousand. That's followers. true. It is. It is. So it's like the more followers you get, isn't? You're not excited about the followers. You're excited about the fact you can help more people, which will lead to the dopamine from the people being like absolutely. Thankful.
0: Boom. Uh, This was so amazing, Justin. I'm really excited to see where everything goes for you. Um, Let everyone know where they can find you online.
2: Yes. Uh, You can follow me on socials at Justin Khan on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. And uh, I have a new YouTube channel, which is Justin Khan Vlog. So check that out. And um, my podcast is called The Quest on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think that's it. I have a website but there's nothing on it oh i have a new newsletter too a, a Substack. stack so uh, i don't know what the url is but it's linked to from all those places so check that out too and then you can get the content deluge that is the, the justin con content engine
0: content i love yeah. it thank you amazing so dude much.